We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Welcome to the Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I'm your host today, Stephanie Brinkman, and I'm the marketing administrator at Summit Wealth Group. Today, Dave Nolan, financial advisor in our Nashville, Tennessee location, will be joining me to discuss some ideas for how to be a more impactful giver. Thank you for joining me today, Dave. Thank you, Stephanie. Pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I have to tell you that I really love that opening quote by Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Uh, Many of our clients here at Summit Wealth Group are charitably inclined, uh, as evidenced by the spike in requests our advisors see each year from clients requesting to redeem uh, investments towards the end of each calendar year so that uh, they can give to their church or other favorite charity. Uh, And and honestly, seeing such generosity every year really warms my heart, and it's sort of contagious, right? For sure. Um, (laughs) The problem is that uh, many people don't realize that there may be uh, more tax advantageous ways to give other than simply just writing a check to the charity. Uh, Discovering these alternative gifting methods can preserve more of the donor's wealth, which in turn can be used either immediately uh, or down the road for additional philanthropic causes. Ooh, Dave, you have my attention. Tell me more. Okay. So let's look at the status quo, right? Traditionally, donors write a check to the charity of their choice. Uh, If that charity happens to be a qualified charity or a 501c3, uh, then the gift may provide a tax benefit if it's included as an itemized deduction. That was a heavy emphasis on the word may. Why? A few years back, uh, there was a new act, uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was uh, enacted. It's also known as the TCJA. One of the many results of that act was the doubling of the standard deduction. Uh, that we see on our tax returns when we file each year. Uh, many of us are familiar with this. They know that you're either given a choice of the greater of either the standard deduction or itemizing deductions or taking the sum of all your many different things that are deductible, aggregating those up, and you know, take the larger of those two. So for many charitably-minded taxpayers, the option of a much larger standard deduction because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has diminished the value of itemizing. Okay, Dave, slow down. You're starting to lose me a little bit with all this tax jargon. Can you give me an example so I can follow along a little better? Yeah, I know taxes are not really that exciting to talk about, but really that's what a lot of what we're talking about here today has to do with tax savings so that you can give more. So here's an illustration. So in 2017, prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, a married couple with, let's just say, $15,000 in deductible mortgage interest who also had given to charities $10,000 that year in charitable contributions would have reported a total of $25,000 in itemized deductions. Prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, 2017, 2016, a married couple that, let's say, had $15,000 in deductible mortgage interest and an additional $10,000 in charitable contributions would have reported $25,000 in itemized deductions, assuming there weren't any other itemized deductions to include. At that point in time, the standard deduction was for a married couple filing a joint return was $12,700. Right, so clearly the couple would receive a much larger tax break by itemizing deductions so that the full $10,000 they gave in charitable gifts would have reduced their tax bill. So just let's do the math on that, see what the actual tax savings would be, because that's the bottom line, right? 
assuming their tops, the top federal tax rate for them in that year was 25%, uh, their charitable gift may have reduced their tax bill by 2,500, right? $10,000 in uh, itemized charitable contributions reduced that by 25, their tax rate of 25%. That saves them $2,500 in taxes. Now, fast forward to today, right? Post Tax Cuts and Jobs Act for the 2022 tax year, the standard deduction for a married couple filing a joint return now is $25,900. Now, compare that to $12,700 just a few years ago. It's, you know, more than doubled. Um, so in this case, if that mortgage interest, same example, $15,000, charitable giving was still $10,000, their itemized deductions would just be $25,000. So now this is lower than the current standard deduction, and they would likely elect the standard deduction because it's greater, right? You want to take the greater of the two. So in this instance, their charitable giving didn't produce any added tax relief. You know, previously it would have produced a $2,500 tax tax break. In, in this case, the standard deduction is higher. It, it doesn't really, I mean, they're giving charitably, so it feels good, right? But they don't get any sort of additional tax break, really, essentially. So... Uh, you kind of ask yourself, you know, is that fair? Does that seem fair to you, Stephanie? No, that doesn't. Are there more efficient ways to give to reduce our tax bill without reducing their savings? Yes. Yeah, simple answer is yes. Fortunately, there's actually a number of solutions to help maximize the impact of your gift while minimizing your tax bill. So we'll talk about four main ones. There's, these are not the only ways, but these are very common ways to do this. So one would just be direct donations of uh, investments, appreciated investments, shares of stocks, mutual funds, bonds, real estate, etc., cetera, uh, can be directly transferred from a donor. Uh, in the case of stocks, mutual funds, bonds, you could transfer directly from the donor's non-retirement brokerage account into the brokerage account of a charity without actually selling the investment. So that's important because a sale would cause the donor to realize a capital gain uh, on the appreciated investment, right? So if they sell that, okay, I'm going to then take the cash and write a check to the charity. Okay, well, you're paying taxes on that gain, right? But if you transfer it directly to the charity uh, in their brokerage account, they, there's no tax implication triggered. How is the value determined on a direct donation investment? For tax purposes, the market value of the security when gifted so on the date of the gift, that's used to determine the value of the gift. So these gifts like writing a check, are still considered itemized deductions. You might wonder, what's the difference? I'll just answer that hypothetical question. The benefit can be great if the donor owns highly appreciated investments. Think Apple stock purchased in 2008 or Tesla stock purchased you know, three or four years ago. Apple stock has appreciated more than 50 times its value from you know, early 2008. So by transferring that type of investment in kind to a charity, the tax event is not realized by the giver, and a receiving charity can sell the investment into cash without any tax liability, assuming that it's a qualified charity. Interesting. That sounds like a good solution to help maximize the impact of your gift. You said there's a number of solutions. What's the second one? Okay. So the second one is probably my favorite. It's probably the most common that, that I've helped clients with in the past. It's called a qualified charitable distribution uh, or a QCD. And these, these occur from traditional IRAs. Okay. 
The only downside of this is you have to be, the individual has to be age 70 and a half. So not everybody can complete a qualified charitable distribution. So for individuals age 70 and a half, 70 and six months, who distribute to a qualified charity directly from an IRA, they can take an above the line tax deduction. What does that mean? The donor can take advantage of the tax deduction without having to itemize. So often donors who are in their 70s no longer have a mortgage with a deductible mortgage interest and their itemized deductions uh, in excess of that, charitable giving or otherwise, are well below the new standard deduction amounts. So giving to charities the traditional way is not giving them really any meaningful tax break uh, or really maximizing their, their gifting impact. If the check is made payable directly to the charity from an IRA, from an individual age 70 and a half, then it may be deemed a qualified charitable distribution or QCD, and the donor would expect a tax benefit. Are you limited to a certain dollar amount for a QCD? Yes. So these types of donations are currently limited to a maximum of $100,000 per calendar year. There is a maximum, but it's, the ceiling's pretty high. I uh, also feel like I need to point out uh, the minimum age again. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> At this time, uh, you must have achieved age 70 years and six months to make that qualified charitable distribution. Uh, this used to be in alignment with required minimum distribution age, which was 70 and a half. They were kind of on par with each other. But there was another act, uh, the SECURE Act, just a couple of years ago, that increased the uh, RMD age to 72 but the minimum age to complete a QCD didn't follow suit. So effectively, this gave eligible individuals an extra year and a half to take advantage of gifting to charities using the QCD method. Okay, Dave, I like this on that. I can see why that's your favorite method. Um, what's the third one? Okay, so the idea is very similar to the first strategy of making direct donations of investments to charities, except that with a donor advised fund or a DAF, the investments or cash is placed into an account which allows the contributed funds to remain invested for longer periods of time. So the ongoing control of the donation to a certain extent is still retained by the donor versus the charity. Uh, so the donor will choose investment options available within the DAF and the donor can then at a later point request grants to charities of their choice uh, based on his or her discretion. Essentially, you can make a, a large donation into this, but basically keep that invested. So if you have, let's say, $100,000 in cash that you want to donate, uh, you can place it in this donor-advised fund, the DAF, and choose a bunch of investments and let that, let that money grow. And maybe at a later point in time, that $100,000 has grown to $150,000. You start making grants to a charity or numerous charities but the beauty is that you get that tax deduction at you know $100,000 in this example at the time you make the donation, not when you make the grants. Is there a minimum donation amount? Uh, yeah, so great question, Stephanie. Uh, these types of charitable giving vehicles typically have uh, some sort of minimum initial investment amount and separate minimums for any subsequent amounts that might be added later. But it's going to, it's really going to vary depending on the company that, that sets up that donor advised fund. Some, some have higher minimums, some have lower, but they generally, you know, generally speaking, they all do have some sort of minimum amount. Thank you, Dave. What is the fourth? 
All right. So the last one that I'm going to talk about today that is, you know, again, not necessarily the, the last type. There, there's other types of ways to gift. But in terms of our conversation today, a charitable trust. And there are really a number of types of different charitable trusts with different objectives. Um, now, some of those trusts seek to maintain the principal value or the corpus of the trust while giving uh, income produced to a charity for a specified time period. And then after that specified time frame is up, the remaining value of the trust will be distributed to designated beneficiaries, which are typically individuals within the family, but not always. Uh, other trusts are the reverse of that and will produce income for individuals, often like a surviving spouse or children from the grantor, the, the individual that set the trust up. Uh, and those, um, that income is produced for a specified period of time, uh, set within the trust. And then when that time frame is elapsed, the remaining value of the trust will often go to a charity or a combination of charities. Okay, this is the one that I feel like I'm the most familiar with. When would you recommend a charitable trust? Okay, so charitable trusts, they, they, these might not be suitable for the average investor, uh, but might make sense for some investors who are charitably inclined uh, with a really high net worth. Um, so, you know, generally, you know, if you put money into a charitable trust, it's, it would be set up as like an irrevocable trust, and you might not have much control over that once it goes in. So oftentimes, again, it's money that, that the grantor who's setting that trust up is pretty certain they're not going to need during their lifetime. Thank you, Dave. These all sound like good options. And listening to this episode is a good start to learning more about efficient ways to give to reduce potential tax bills without reducing my giving. What would you suggest our listeners do next? Well, yeah, Stephanie, um, I'd encourage our listeners to discuss these options with their financial advisor and potentially their estate planning attorney. Uh, it's important to review your estate plan regularly to ensure that your resources will be distributed according to your wishes. I recommend at a minimum to review beneficiary designations annually uh, and also regularly reviewing one's formal estate plan with the estate planning attorney. Uh, I'd encourage that um, to account for any preferences or you know, preference changes that might take place over time. Okay. So how often is regularly? How often should I actually go in and review my estate plan? Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard a variety of recommendations from different attorneys on uh, the recommended frequency, anywhere from annually to like every five years or so. It kind of depends on who you ask. If there's some sort of life change, if you move from one state to another, uh, you might consider having an attorney um, from your new home state to review it, ensure that the laws of your prior state translate to the new state. Um, you know, if you buy a property in a different state than your current residence, that, that might be uh, you know, a, a good reason to have it reviewed. Uh, other major life events like birth, death, disability, or incapacitation, now, those are all really good reasons to, uh, to review the estate plan and determine if any aspects of the, the plan need to be updated. All right, so, you know, in summary, there are many ways to give, and there's really no one-size-fits-all approach. Any of our listeners have questions about giving charitably, please contact me or your local Summer Wealth Advisor to discuss your charitable goals. Uh, we'll be happy to help you make the greatest impact possible. Uh, I'll leave you one more quote from one of the wealthiest men in U.S. history. Think of giving not as a duty, but as a privilege. You know who said that? I don't. Rockefeller said, think of giving not as a duty, but as a privilege. I think if we have that mindset, 
it just really opens up so many possibilities. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for your time today, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.